everybody. Welcome to EFP episode 42. Today we're going to talk about how to be a better player. In the past I've done stuff on GMing 101 and 102 and we've never really talked about the player side of the table. I guess it's me catering to the things that I know really well. The things that I'm comfortable with which is GMing which is uh, bringing a story to the table from that side of the screen. So today, I want to talk about being a better player. My experiences is learning to be a player. It was hard for me to be a player after being a GM for so long. I I almost had to relearn the ropes. It was very odd, and I'm still learning. It's something that I'm not the best at. While I can roleplay and play a good character, there are other etiquettes that I just don't nail as well as others. Um, But... I've asked a bunch of people questions and things to bring to the show, and and, uh, also I can give my point of view from the GM side of the screen, what makes a better player, what helps me as a GM run you a better story, because you're, you know, active the way you should be. So, New Year's everybody, let's be better people, better GMs and better players, and let's dive into what the show's going to be about today. All right, so the topics of the show today are going to be the basics, realization, actualizing, tips from other players, and we'll get into GM, I mean, uh, GM-guided player tips, and our closing. And it seems short, but there's a lot that is going to be in that tips from players section as we dive into how that's going to function. So let's start with the basics, everyone. So basics, what are they? Well, let's talk about them. To me, there's a bunch of them, and I'm going to list these off fast. I feel like they're the ones you should know, but if you don't, now you know. Yeah, I did that. Pay attention. Take notes. Know your character's rules. Be ready. Stay off your phone or technology. Stop playing other games during the game. Stay off social media. Don't argue with each other or the GMs. Stop trying to be Wolverine. Stop it. Just not everyone's Wolverine, man. There's only one true Canadian Wolverine. That's it, man. That's the basics. Don't do those things. Be attentive at your table. Watch what you're doing. Be involved. Your GM has taken the time to craft this. The other players have taken the time to be there and update their characters and play and join. Why are you on social media talking to other people on Discord doing things? Like, yeah, there's a time and a place. The GM says, hey, I got to do stuff with this character. Take a minute. That's one. But when it's just not your turn during combat, pay attention. Be ready. Because when the GM comes to you and you're not, ugh, man, super frustrating. And just don't be Wolverine. I just, God, I can't say it enough. Okay, so now we got that out of the way. Let's talk about realization. Sit down and look at the last few characters you've played. Did you do what you set out to do? Did your player turn out like you wanted them to? Are you happy with the final version? Did you play the same thing you always play? We all get in that rut where we keep making the same characters because we're comfortable. Maybe stretch your wings a little bit. Did you build your character to play with a group? This is important. People don't do this. 
Uh, we run a living community right now, and it's a little broader than at the table, but we know what Detroit Living City is about. We're telling darker stories in a Shadowrun-based universe. Did you build a character to fit into a run? Did you fill a position of a job? Are you the face? Are you the, the meat, the muscle? Are you magic? So on. Did you build something to fit within this large community? But if you look at it at a small table, it's, it's actually even easier. I love building characters together as a player because it allows me to hear what people are making, what I'm making, and really make sure we're not stepping on each other's toes. And we are doubling down when doubling down is needed, depending on the campaign setting that we're playing. If we're playing a high magic setting, shouldn't most people have magic? Like, how are you going to handle and deal with magic if you don't have casters? That doesn't make any sense to me. So you got to make sure you build characters in a party appropriate to what the GM is about ready to tell, what story he's about ready to unfold, and that you're going to be involved in. Did you do a background? If you didn't do a background, you're doing a disservice to the, the group and the GM, but you're doing a disservice to yourself. Backgrounds don't have to be elaborate. A lot of people really fear writing a background. And as a player, I, I, don't, I don't usually write them either. And I don't write them because I'm used to GMing and just coming up that stuff on the fly. But what it does allow me to do is have guidelines from where I came from. Backgrounds can be short. Cobalt Quarterly did a really good job at building a background. You should look that up. Um, I believe it's called uh, Questions of Background or something like that, but it gives you a good walkthrough on building a background and a personality. There are a lot of random generators out there to help you as well. But do it. Uh, for one... If your GM is actually going to pull stuff from your background and you don't have one, you're going to get left out. And you may forget you didn't write one and feel left out, but that, that's on you. You didn't do what was kind of required as a player. Your background, I believe, is a stepping stone. It decides where you came from and the direction you were going. And I've done episodes on this. You can go back and listen to them. I believe in episode 20 I talked about backgrounds. And, and how you can build them and what you can do. Take a listen to that. And some of the other ones really tell developing more uh, moral compass and things like that will help you. And the next one is, does my character fit the setting? That's important. If I'm a, getting ready to play in a pulp noir setting and I build a Conan the Barbarian when it's high pulp with guns and pistols, why am I playing that character? Like, you're forcing... A square block into a circle hole, it may not fit. Your GM may not want that. So discuss it. Is there a reason you're there? Maybe you're playing a time travel game. Then yeah, that would make sense. But again, that would fit setting. You making it for a hard pulp noir setting doesn't. If I'm running a high fantasy game, high, like high magic, why are you trying to play a sci-fi character? Or Wolverine? <laughs> I'm kidding. But why Why are you doing that? We're not playing that or a comic book game. Don't make a comic book character. Make your own thing. Make something that fits the setting. And we all, if there's a setting you're getting ready to play in and you're not a fan of it, you should be talking to the GM about, like, this is just not something I'm into. Maybe you bow out for that one and come back and play when he's done. There's nothing wrong with having more than one group. And the GM should be making sure it's something you're interested in as well. Or maybe... Play short sessions. Maybe only do a six-episode arc if only half your group wants that setting. So, do you play the same thing every time? And this comes back to that. Are you playing the same archetype every time? Like, I used to only play wizards for a long time. And then I was on a paladin kick, and I only played paladins. 
And I found that uh, my role-playing ability didn't broaden. Like, yeah, I could play a couple different kinds of paladins. All my mages were different, but I didn't really broaden out and try other classes. Now I really build my backgrounds first and then pick what whatever system I'm in. If a class fits that role or something else fits that role. I don't want people to think that it's not okay to have a favorite. It is. But sometimes you should play something else to make you better at your favorite thing. Uh, Shadowrun is a great example of that. I don't play Deckers, but I'm going to. Because for me to know how they work within my party, I should probably play one to understand them more. I haven't played a Decker since 3rd edition. No, 4th edition. So this is one of those things that I need to kind of broaden my horizons. And maybe you need to do the same. Have you argued rulings at the table? Do you cause fights? Are you that person who has a wargamer mentality that loves the rules and will fight with the GM on a ruling? Don't do that. That's bad player etiquette. It's not good. Really, you should wait. I mean, you can offer an opinion like, I'm pretty sure this is how it goes. And if your GM trusts in you to look up the ruling, great. But there are times when your GM is bending those rules for the story, for the encounter, for something. It's usually not to punish you. At least not a good GM. And as a player, to be a good one, you should be following along because he may be taking or she may be taking you on a story that uh, makes sense with that rule being different. Don't fight rules at the table. It's not good for anyone. It changes the environment. It changes the way everyone feels at the table. And it's especially bad to do in living communities and at conventions. You're ruin, ruining people's fun by arguing rules in a role-playing game. Rules are important. They are guidelines. But they're not everything. Read your table. And then my next one is, does your character have depth? Yeah. Like, is there something to them? Is there a purpose for them? Are they goal-driven? Do they have things that they want to do? Or are they just wandering about the world? Think about the depth of your character and what they're trying to achieve. The new Cypher system... Um, took from their Invisible Sun game and added story arcs. And you don't have to have that mechanic in your game to use it. Making mini story arcs, minor and major things that you want your character to do, is a great way to fulfill depth uh, to get something. Um, if you are a character that wants to be a crafter, finding a way to have an anvil with you when you're traveling and working on it during downtime is important. And that's something that's key as a player that I, I would love to point out. You can be a loner in an RPG, but the time you are traveling with the other players is that time when you are not a loner. Wolverine, and I'm going to use this, I'm beating this into the ground, Wolverine works with the X-Men. He's not always a loner. There's times where he has to get stuff done. And as a player, you have to think, you know, step back for a minute but the big picture is time travels in between there's your time where you're traveling there's time when you're camping there may be large downtime moments in the current game i'm playing we're getting ready to pump through a year here as people are gone and come back those are large chunks of time very large and those are pertinent to how things are going to go uh, for those players but they have to remember their characters do stuff in between wolverine goes by himself when he's done helping people out if you want to be a loner, you can do that too. Write some backstory, write little epilogues, whatever. Do vo vo video ones, do audio versions of those epilogues. But you can have those narrative moments in between. And that's important. Just look at your character depth. But let's move on. I think I have some tips on how we can get better 
as players through actualization. In the beginning, I probably should have told you in the actualization part, you're going to need a piece of paper and a pen. But you can pause, so, you know, it's not a big deal. Now that you have the things that I need and you've identified some weaknesses that you have, or maybe you, what I've talked about previously has made you realize some stuff. And I've done one myself, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about mine and we can talk about what you can do. I draw a line down the middle of the page and I write problems. And on the other side, I write fixes, like two columns. So, for example, I tend to hog the limelight uh, when I'm playing games. And that was a really hard thing for me to fix. Um, and I did that by making sure that whatever I was trying to do was one thing. And when I would do that one thing, I would be like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. What about you? And I would ask the next person person to bring them in. I would uh, engage them as player to player to help the GM, but also to help the story. Sometimes I talk out of turn. And I talk over top of people. And that happens a lot online when I'm running um, things that are voice only. I take physical cues really well. I can watch people, see what they're doing, pause my conversation, and I can get that. But audio... When I hear dead air, it was a hard time for me to, to learn to pause. And I had to go back to the old days of working on radio where you count in between to make sure that other person has a chance to speak. I mentioned Wolverine a lot during this. And I mentioned it because I was that player. I loved playing grit and grimy and solo characters and I could get it done myself. And that didn't work. When you're playing with other people. I ran a lot of games for myself when I was a kid. And I learned from those things. I learned that solo games made me a better storyteller. I got good at doing voices. I got really good at talking uh, to myself and making stories. Every kid did it. But Wolverine was one of my favorites. And I realized as I grew older, he was one of my least favorites. And it came from the fact that he didn't work with a team. He was just, he would be there once in a while, but he's kind of a pain. And I grew up more, and I realized, oh man, he does work with the team. But then he leaves, because he I think he knows he's a detriment to other people. And your players can do that. Those downtimes, you can walk away. So that's how I fix that. There are other ones on here for players that I see um, from my side of the screen. And as a player at a table. Let's say, actually let's talk about from my side of player at the table. I stopped playing organized play. I love Pathfinder Society. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of Adventure League. But I would sit down at a table, and I'd sit to play, and every personality would be at the table, but you would have people who just weren't team players that wanted to be everything because they couldn't trust that other people at the table would be able to handle things. There's a trust issue there. Not even just between the players, but you don't trust that the GM is going to give you a game where things are accomplishable. Those are pre-written adventures. They are made to be accomplished. Maybe instead of building a character that does everything, maybe you build a character that does something well and covers a couple other things that can help out and aid other people. I really enjoy other people's time in the limelight now, seeing what they do. Um, and that took time. But if I would have been told sooner how to do that, I would have been a better player. For me, I enjoy watching the limelight of other people because I learn what they like and what they do. I see how my character could fit into what they're doing um, without forcing it. You can find a way. So, for example, if a character is magically inclined and they are dealing with 
crafting a new spell. But they need material components for what they're doing. Your character could be a help for that. Maybe you know where to find those things. Or you can offer to go do it with them. Or in your downtime, when you're out on your own. You can say, hey, I'll get those for you. And work it out. Maybe a price, or maybe that spell gets casted on you when you need it. There are ways to do that. In an organized play, it's the same way. You know all the classes if you're that person making somebody who can do everything. You know when someone goes to play a monk, how you can assist them, or what you can do to help a mage as a fighter. But you don't need to hog. You don't need to limelight it the whole time. Enjoy the other people's time in the light. Watch the stories where they are for a story. So actualizing is taking the idea of these problems that we have with ourselves. And they're not, they're not horrible. I'm not saying you're a bad person or a bad player. I'm just saying let's be better. And take those things and write them down. There is something to writing actions down and writing things down that you will remember. Put it in a note card and put it in your book. So when you look at it, you can remind yourself, like, oh yeah, I always talk out of turn. I should wait. Or oh yeah, I'm always on my phone. I should stop that. That's a really easy fix. If you're always on your phone, just mute it and put it in your bag where you can't get to it. And play your game. I promise once you're already going, it's not going to be that big of a problem because you'll be engaging in the story instead of engaging in another area, in another world. Be engaged in why you're there. It's time together that you should appreciate. And I've seen a big turn of that with 5e. People appreciating time at the table with no tech. Yes, I know you might use D&D Beyond. You can still do that. But then you also could just print your character sheet from it, right? So those are the things that you can do to fix problems. And I know there are more problems people have at the table than what I mentioned. We see them constantly. But it's your job to write them down and figure out a way to fix them. And if you're not okay talking with other people about it because you're uncomfortable, you can still figure it out on your own and try new things to be better, to be mindful of your time there, sharing it with others. So that's enough of the actual actualizing things. I'm having a hard time with a word today. Um, you can do that on your own and figure out what works. So let's move on to the next part. Okay, I'm going to cue music for this one. Tips from players. <clears throat> I'm not going to mention the people's names um, directly, but I will mention their tags <laughs> and we'll see if those tags are something that uh they realize when they're listening all right let's let's get into this here are some of the tips from communities that i'm a part of or people that i know know when to take the spotlight and when to let it go lotus this is important we talked about this earlier seize it when it's your time and hand it off when it's not it really does help the game flow Honest feedback and communication is imperative for both players and GM. Jazz. It's true. Um, feedback is hard. People don't always take it the best. Constructive criticism is a skill. I, I, it's one of the only things I probably learned while I was at the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. It's a skill. Communicate and don't be harmful. Ask questions. And if you're silent long enough, people will usually answer for you. Do stuff. Stop stalling. That was from Ancient Dragon. It's true. <laughs> a lot of times we will sit around and just talk, but never take action to get things done. And in games, usually, the point is action. 
Bring snacks to share. This has been reiterated numerous times throughout these. I had to cut how many people said that. That was from Bruff Gruff uh, online community. He's right. It's hard to bring snacks when you're digital, but in person, bring something to share. Bag of candy, whatever it is. If everyone brings one thing, you guys have a lot to eat. Read up on your character's abilities. An advanced tip. Make a custom handbook for your character with the rules specific to your character's abilities. That's Gen Kitty. Probably know who that is if you're part of any of the communities. That is a really good point. And I actually have not done that. I've never made a playbook of my abilities for my characters. Um, I know a, char- a person I play with, Zach, he does that. He will print out sheets of his spells and whatnot. It's a really good idea and really easy to do. With the new PDF readers, if you have the PDF, you can cut things out. Cut and paste, and there you go. Google Docs, make it, print it, and bring it to the table. Or digital, again, if you're Don wanting to use paper. <clears throat> Help other players shine when you can't. Someone has to aim the light. That was Castlin. So that comes back to that limelight and hogging it. Sometimes you got to shine the spotlight for people to bring them in. That quiet person in your group, give them a moment to be important. This is... This is another one that I totally agree with. Own your success and failures. It's from Fetch or Mira. Yeah, if you fail, own it. It makes you a better person. Same with successes. Own them. You did it? Oh, yeah, I did that. It was really cool. Just don't hang on to it for too long. I think that's very pertinent. Pay attention during combat and write little notes when an each player does and then lean in. That was from Nenten. It's true. God, man. If I paid attention during combat and wrote, oh wait, I do. I do do that. Now I think about it. I write combat notes, not as eloquently as my friend Kelly does, but I do write combat notes of what people did so that when we're talking about it later, I remember. Um, And then it also allows me to know what I should be doing on my turn. I, I do do that, not to the extent that maybe this person is saying or that my friend Kelly does, but it's, it's a good point. I'm going to turn this here. Oh no, we have one more. I lied. There's one more really important one. Wear real clothes to the game. Unknown. That's a true statement. That was from somebody at a convention. They want you to wear clothes to the table. I don't know what happened at their table, but apparently they weren't wearing real clothes. And then the last one is participate in the narrative, especially if the scene requires your character type. Oh, yeah, and bring snacks. That was from Spriggs. Yeah, again with the snacks, I agree. But participating in a narrative is huge. There's a lot of times where a GM writes something for a player to be involved with and the player doesn't do it. The GM should tell them, hey, this is for you. They're not getting it. But players should be paying attention and know when something is for them. Those are good. Those are all really good tips on on things that players should do. And if you have tips on how to be a better player, Call into the EFP podcast. Anchor's free. You just download it, find EFP on there, and hit that call button. You can do it right from your phone. Super easy. Now let's move on now, though, to the next part. Magic and Monsters. Marks of Men, the new release, January 1st. Subscribe to Patreon at Eric Frankhouse Presents.
you like micro settings and are looking for the next thing to play with your D&D 5e group, do you wish that there was more magic in your game? More of that forgotten lore? Do you want Greek-styled gods? Do you want to become one yourself? Magic and Monsters is for you. So, this is a little longer episode than normal. I want to get into the GM tips here, or GM tips to players. I believe players should build characters together for campaigns. I think that uh, the action of sitting down at a table, bringing snacks, uh, and involving one another makes for a balanced party. It also makes sure that everyone's in for the setting, that they make characters that make sense. And when you can't think of something or how to make something better, you have players there to help you. If you make them by yourself in solitude, you're more likely to do what I did as a kid and make Wolverine. Or Batman. There's a lot of Batmans too, even in fantasy games. I also believe give guidelines to the adventure or session to keep people on the same page. I think this started with Pathfinder for me and then putting out their player kits, their player handbooks for the adventure paths. I think this helped a lot for people to make characters that were shaped around what they were about to do. As a GM, you should be giving that out. And as a player, I think you should be talking to your GM about things you'd like to see in that campaign. Especially if they're running their own thing and not a pre-written. It's pre-written, it's different. Be transparent as a player. You have backgrounds that you have written. You should be finding ways to share tidbits into the group. Because if you don't share your backgrounds, no one knows about them. Find ways to make your background into interesting things your character says. Like, <laughs> I remember being here. Uh, this is the huge fight that I had when I lost my pinky. I mean, it's regenerated now, but I lost it here. This fight was horrible. These people are mob mentality. Or, yeah, I was in a burning house once. I survived. I mean, that's how I learned magic. No, yeah, no. None of my other friends that were there did. And that's the stuff you slip in. That's important. Write little quips and pieces you can drop into the game. Deep secrets are for you and the GM to expose together, or for you to expose when it's important. I'm playing a paladin right now in my friend's game on Friday, and he is going from being stuck in a cave for 30 years as a dwarf as a lawful neutral paladin with a treachery domain. And really, I have that treachery domain. Not for treachery. He was betrayed. He does want, or did want, uh, to get vengeance, but it was because I made an illusionary version of myself to talk to. Really fun. And I'm slowly releasing that stuff out as we play. And he, every time we do a good act, is shifting closer to going back to lawful good. Which I'm very excited about. I also think use the time between encounters, campings, uh, not to just let out your backstory, but for you to learn about other people's. Ask about other players and what they are and what they're about. People like to talk about their characters. You just got to cut it short. Ask specific things. My friend Brian Berg knows all about player stories and characters. He is writing a book on player characters. Um, if you don't know who he is, he uh, owns TPK Games, some of the best 5e stuff that you can get for D&D for a third-party publisher. I love their stuff. But every convention we're at together, he listens to people's characters and takes notes. It's pretty cool. And if you haven't bought TPK Games stuff, he's not sponsoring me, but 
dude, there are 5e options and a few other things are fantastic for players. Maybe that's a good option. Maybe that's a good thing for me to say. Be a better player. Bring things to the table that make sense. Good third-party publisher stuff. D&D 5e wants the players to build their own things. And to do that, you should be looking at other venues and other things that people have produced. And that is a great publisher for that. So check that out as well. In closing, we want to be better in our hobby. I want to be a better GM. I want to be a better player. My watch, listen, learn mentality is truthful. I, I do believe it. Do I follow it all the time? No, but no one's perfect. But I do want to sincerely be better at my hobby and my craft. When you're at a table, make sure you're helping the players and GMs weave a great story together. Play your character true. But don't ever be the person who says, well, it's what my character would do, as an excuse to screw other people over. That's not playing your character. That's breaking Whedon's law of don't be a dick. I believe that... I'm going to put this book down. I have my notes in. I believe that people can... People can be better players without having to stick to a strict guideline of screwing other people over that doesn't make you better what makes you a better player is listening and paying attention knowing your role when you're at the table uh, helping other people and and their turns but it sure as shit isn't saying well yeah i killed that i killed that homeless person because that's what i would do or oh yeah that shopkeeper yeah i robbed him while you're standing there sorry we're all gonna be in trouble now that's not the stuff that makes you a good player that makes you an asshole don't be an asshole Maybe that's Eric's law. Whedon's laws don't be a dick. I'm saying don't be an asshole. Think about the people around you. And that's coming from me. Like, I brash and say things, but I usually have the other players at heart. I want them to sincerely have fun. And it's not that hard to do. Just take a moment to sit down and reflect on your last game. And don't look just at the players around you. Look at yourself. Is there anything you could have done better? I guess that's my closing for everybody what can you do better as a player is there things that you now want to improve on i know this is funny that this is happening right at the new year and that was not on purpose actually i was going to record this last week but it was the holidays so what are you going to do to be a better player call into the efp podcast and leave a message be involved and see if we can come down to the bottom of how we can all be better players because I think it's something we should do. That's it for me at EFP. We're on that bi-weekly schedule right now. I'm doing my best to keep that up for us. And uh, I'm really excited to have people call in. Till next time, everybody. Find my Patreon. If you want to back what I'm doing and, and support me there, you can find me on Eric Frankhouse Presents on Patreon. You can also find me all over social media under Eric Frankhouse. And uh, if you're interested in joining my patreon i'm currently running a once a month pathfinder 2 game for the benefactor levels and we fill in the spots with other people who are available until next time watch listen learn be a better gamer <laughs>